Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you with exceedingly great joy today. Last week, I announced the website, and I am so excited to share that with you again. It is www.pureheart.today, and that is lowercase, all one word, pureheart.today. Make sure you put it in correctly because other things are going to pop up, pure heart ministry, pure heart, whatever. But So you must put pureheart.today. And we are launching the Facebook page tomorrow. So I would like you to look for the Facebook page. It'll just be Pure Heart Ministries and like the page. Um, so I'm excited about that as well. But I'd like you to sign up for the newsletter on the website. Like I mentioned last week, it's going to take at least a month of gathering people to sign up for the newsletter before we put out the first issue. But please take a moment to sign up for the newsletter. Check out the website and let me know what you think. Email me and tell me what you think of the website. Last week... The Lord had me speak to you about he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This week, the Lord highlighted Psalm 119, verse 105, which is, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Now, this particular scripture has a similar theme because it's about being led. It's about the Lord taking us in a specific direction with a specific purpose. I mentioned last week that when your spirit is open to the Lord's leading, he will always lead you in the paths of righteousness. I also mentioned that I would encourage you to make that your daily prayer. Lord, lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Because ultimately, when we walk in righteousness, we are giving God glory. And we certainly want to do that with our lifestyle. Now, you might ask, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you walk in the path of righteousness? How do, you, how do you do all of these things? Well, it's simple. You see, the Lord can't lead you any other way. He is a holy God. He can't possibly lead you down a path that would bring you harm. Now, you have a will, and you certainly can lead yourself by your own flesh, not under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but your own flesh can take you or allow you to make wrong decisions and lead you down the broad path of destruction or just down the wrong road making wrong decisions that ultimately have negative consequences for your life. But you see, the Holy Spirit cannot lead you down the wrong path because he is righteous. He is holy. And if you ask him and you are sincere in your heart, he will lead you in the path of righteousness. Now, I really believe the Lord is trying to emphasize the importance of being open to his leading. And from Psalm 119, verse 105, 
to be led by his word. So I'd like to tear apart that scripture, Psalm 119.105, and first look at it in the context of the scriptures before it. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to uh, the New King James Version. That's what I'm reading out of to Psalm 119, verse 103, which says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Have you recently put a teaspoon of honey on your tongue? It is exceedingly sweet. The psalmist says that the word of God is that sweet. Right there, we know something very profound. You see, the word brings such incredible pleasure to us. We don't think about that. Somehow, sometimes we think that the word is just a hard taskmaster of do's and don'ts. But that's really not the truth of the word. The word brings such incredible pleasure to us. It brings a fulfillment. Honey has antibacterial and antiviral properties. It also has very powerful healing properties and It is an incredible preservative. You can actually preserve a human body with honey. My husband has a book called How to Mellify a Corpse. In other words, how to preserve a corpse with honey. These are all characteristics of God's word. It is antibacterial, antiviral, healing, and a preservative. Yes, it is protection. They're all incredible characteristics of God's word. Verse 104 says, Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Think about this. You're faced with a dilemma, a difficult decision. The psalmist says he gets understanding from God's word. In other words, The light bulb turns on and suddenly it becomes clear what we ought to do. Verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your feet, your feet are responsible for getting you there. The word is a light that highlights your feet and gives you the motivation to move forward. Without the word, you're stuck, plain and simple, not knowing if this is right or if this is wrong, not knowing is it God's will or not God's will, not knowing is it his plan or my plan. But you see, God's word, when you decide to be led by God's word, I guarantee He will highlight your feet. He will give you the green light or the red light. Once you get a green light and you know the direction, but not all the pieces of the puzzle or answers to the problems, then he lights up the path. It's one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. And he leads you in the right direction. 
It does require faith. Listen to what Francis Scott Key said, who wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. This is what he said. He said, The patriot who feels himself in the service of God, who acknowledges God in all his ways, has the promise of almighty direction and will find God's word in his greatest darkness, a lantern to his feet and a lamp unto his paths. He will therefore seek to establish for his country in the eyes of the world such a character as shall make her not unworthy of the name of a Christian nation. Now that is extremely profound, and I just want to repeat that phrase that he said again. He, um, meaning the person, he will therefore seek to establish, a person, an individual, will seek to establish for his country in the eyes of the world such a character as shall make her not unworthy of the name of a Christian nation. That person will seek to establish such a character as shall make her not unworthy of the name of a Christian nation. That is profound. In other words, the person, the individual who acknowledges God in all his ways will be the one that will help to establish America as a Christian nation. You know, I, I was so excited when I read that. I just thought, in the days when we first became a nation, the Bible was the primer. Every child in every school had a Bible. And we have strayed so, so far. We call ourselves, today, we call ourselves a Christian nation. But our character, for the majority of Americans, does not reflect Christian values. The man who penned the Star-Spangled Banner, Francis Scott Key, was a man of godly ideals and desired that God's word was a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. If you think for one minute that this man wasn't led and followed the path that was lit for him, then listen carefully to the fourth stanza of the Star-Spangled Banner. You may not be aware that he wrote three more verses in addition to the one that we sing at baseball games, football games, but it's the fourth stanza that particularly stands out, and I want to share that with you. He writes, now imagine you would, what I'm going to share is what you would be singing to the same tune that we normally sing the first verse of the Star Spangled Banner. So it, it goes like this, O thus be it ever when free men shall stand, between their loved home 
and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Sounds to me like God's word certainly directed the lyrics to this most important piece of music. There is no doubt, even as he said, there was a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. And for sure, God's word was so lit up in him that he was able to write something that these many hundred years later we still sing and has become the national anthem of the United States of America. That, to me, is profound. This man you may never have heard of, but his name is Sir William Blackstone, and he was a legal writer. I want you to listen to the first paragraph of the, of the Declaration of Independence that set the stage for the American Revolution and its absolute reliance on the laws of God. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitles them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Now, Sir William Blackstone wrote The Laws of Nature and of Nature's God. And he says, as the laws that God, the creator of the universe, had established for the governance, governance of people, nations, and nature, Blackstone's commentaries on the law, which had become the primary law book of the founding fathers, explained the laws of nature as the will of God for man, which can be ascertained by people through an examination of God's creation, the text of the Bible, and to a certain degree, instinct or reason. Blackstone stated this, man, considered as a creature, must necessarily be subject to the laws of his creator, for he is entirely a dependent being. And consequently, as man depends absolutely upon his maker for everything, it is necessary that he should in all points conform to his maker's will. This will of his maker is called the law of nature. This law of nature 
being coexistent with mankind and dictated by God himself, is, of course, superior in obligation to any other. It is binding over all the globe, in all the countries, and at all times. No human laws are of any validity if contrary to this. And I just want to read another paragraph. And I, I feel like in light of the election that is several weeks away, it's important to note that there were men, great men, who believed that belief in God, belief in the Bible, belief in God's Word was of utmost importance and became part of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and when people say that we were not founded as a Christian nation, it is a true fallacy. But Blackstone goes on and he says, and if our reason were always clear and perfect, the task would be pleasant and easy. We should need no other guide but this, the law of nature. But every man now finds the contrary in his own experience that his reason is corrupt and his understanding full of ignorance and error. I want to stop there. You, you, do you understand what he's saying? What he's saying is our own human flesh ability to reason is corrupt. It's all, it will always be corrupt. And our understanding is full of ignorance and error. You see, what he's saying is when you do not lean on God, when you do not follow and you are not entirely dependent, as he said earlier, if you're not entirely dependent on your creator, basically what he's saying is you get into trouble. And he says, this has given manifold occasion for the benign interposition of divine providence, which hath been pleased at sundry times and in diverse manners to discover and enforce its laws by an immediate and direct revelation. Listen to this last sentence. The doctrines thus delivered we call the revealed or divine law, and they are to be found only in the Holy Scriptures. Sir William Blackstone. The revealed or divine law can only be found in the Holy Scriptures. May I, need I say any more? It's very clear. I want you to listen to the story of a young lawyer. At the age of 32, Joseph Story became the youngest associate justice of the Supreme Court and served from 1811 to 1845, writing 286 opinions. He was also the Dane Professor of Law at Harvard and wrote many legal texts now considered classics. His three-volume set of Commentaries on the Constitution of the United States is still today the standard treatise on the subject. 
at a point in his life where Story doubted the truth of Christianity. He, quote, labored and read with assiduous attention all of the arguments of its proof and became committed to the principles of Christianity, which he repeatedly expressed throughout his lengthy legal career. It was his conviction that American law and legal practices must never be separated from Christian principles. I want to say that again. Hear me clearly. It was Joseph Story's conviction that American law and legal practices must never be separated from Christian principles. This was a Harvard law, uh, Harvard law professor. Harvard law professor. He goes on to explain. One of the beautiful boasts of our municipal jurisprudence is that Christianity is a part of the common law. There has never been a period in which the common law did not recognize Christianity as lying at its foundations. The law pronounces illegal every contract offensive to Christianity's morals. My goodness, I would sure like to share this with those folks running for president. It recognizes with profound humility Christianity's holidays and festivals and obeys them, even to the point of suspending all government functions on those days. It still attaches to persons believing in Christianity's a divine authority the highest degree of competency as witnesses. These, my friends, are examples of people who valued God's word and who understood that it was a path that lit their direction in life. Who knows? You may become one of the great legal minds of our times. The late Justice, Supreme Court Justice Anton Scalia had a strong faith and belief in God. You see, the Word of God will frame your belief system and set a strong moral foundation in you, a foundation that will give you the strength to stand up against ungodly practices and ungodly decisions. George Washington Carver, a noted African-American inventor and horticulturalist who found 150 recipes for the peanut, was asked the secret of his success. He said, the secret of my success? It is simple. It is found in the Bible. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Now that scripture is found in Proverbs 3.6. I believe that the beginning of the Gospel of John really sums all of this up. Reading out of the New King James Version, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now that scripture alone gives us a clue that the Bible, God's Word, is alive 
because God is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God's Word is alive because God is the Word. That's established. It goes on in verse 2. He was in the beginning, Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Dropping down to verse 8. He, referring to John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. The reality is this. The lamp of our feet and the light of our path is Christ. He is the Word, and He is the light. If you allow God's Word to begin to saturate your very being, what an exciting adventure lies lies ahead for you. Just like Joseph's story, who could imagine that a Harvard law professor would actually write that it was his conviction that American law and legal practices must never be separated from Christian principles. That is so foreign in our society today. That is foreign in the legal system. No one says that. No one is making that kind of statement. But this man, this man was so led by the Lord that his commentaries on the Constitution of the United States are still the standard treatise on the subject. So you can imagine every law school student knows about the three-volume set of commentaries on the Constitution of our United States because of this godly man. Wow. And the fact that he even says that the law pronounces illegal every, every contract, listen, every contract that is offensive to Christianity's morals. I, I mean, that, that doesn't even register in today's society. And it recognizes with profound humility Christianity's holidays and festivals and obeys them even to the point of suspending all government functions on those days? Wow. I'm looking forward someday to meeting Justice Joseph's story because this is a man who allowed God's word to absolutely be a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. I really believe that When you allow God's word to just get in to your very being, you will be on the ride of a lifetime. I hope that your desire for God's word increases and that you use God's word as a compass to guide you on life's path. Trust me, it will be a journey like no other. And who knows, someday, 
You might be a famous lawyer, a profound researcher that discovers a cancer cure. Maybe you will become the best plumber in your community so that everybody who needs plumbing assistance will be calling on you. It doesn't matter how high you are in society, how low you are in society. God can use you incredibly. He has a path. He has a journey like no other for you. He has a specific purpose and a specific direction he wants to take your life. But it requires you to spend time in his word and allow his word to guide you, to believe his word. And trust him. I want to leave you today with the blessing of shalom, shalom. And I do want to encourage you to get into God's word and just let it be a a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. I also want to remind you to go to www.pureheart.today. Sign up for our newsletter. Please send me an email. Let me know what you think of the website. And tomorrow the Facebook page goes live. So I want you to like the Facebook page. Well, I look forward to talking with you next week. Peace be unto you.